0: So Let me ask you a question. How do you define success? Okay, now it's a question that's been thrown around so many times, yet it is so important that we take the time to figure out what our definition is for ourselves without the pressure of society or comparing our outputs with others, no matter how difficult it is to do that in today's world. And so if you are one of the lucky ones who have found a solid definition for your own version of success, have you found a sustainable way to get yourself to that point, right? And the key word here is sustainable. Well, welcome to another week of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. This is going to be a very dynamic and energized conversation because with me is someone who teaches how to utilize the same strategies in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level, right? Awesome, hey, Alan Stein Jr. He's a keynote speaker. He spent 15 plus years as a performance coach, working with the highest-performing basketball players on the planet. And you know, forgive me if I geek out here a bit, but people like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the amazing Kobe Bryant. Now, we talk about Kobe a lot during this conversation. Personally, because I have a deep admiration for Kobe and he was a big part of my growing up and my basketball career, but also because he made such a mark on Alan himself as well. Now, Alan is the author of two amazing books. The first one, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, and his second book, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today, which is called Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. Now, we explore a lot of topics during this conversation, some from the book, and others just about the things we are both passionate about, obviously while keeping close to the topic, which is about really achieving your goals in both business and in life. So we start by talking about defining your own success and how to work towards it. Next, we talk about the importance of fundamentals, right? The best people never get bored with the basics, or they never get tired of working towards the mastery of the building blocks of their craft.
1: You know, the key to to not only performance and success, but happiness and fulfillment, is do more of what works, do less of what doesn't.
0: Now, just because something is basic or fundamental, it doesn't mean it's easy, which is why we also talk a lot today about consistency. Next, it's important to discuss sustaining your game to achieve success. Again, there we are, the word sustain. And finally, we wrap up what is a really powerful conversation with Alan, on his specific must-dos, his daily practices, you're gonna get a lot from it. And we even have a bit of a play around in terms of what our personal commitments are gonna be for the next you know, number of days. Uh, and for me, that's committing more to meditation and mindfulness.
1: I print off a calendar uh, and I use a red Sharpie and every day I do that thing, I put a big red X on it. And my goal is to get 66 X's in a row. Now I realize I'm fallible, I'm human. After day 14, I may fall off the wagon, That's okay. I just try to wake up the next day and start a new string of X's. I don't beat myself up over it.
0: So are you ready? Because I am absolutely ready. If you're with me, gear up as we raise, sustain, and scale up our game with this week's powerhouse guest. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Alan Stein Jr. Hey, everybody. It is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another week. Oh God, this is going to be, I've just said before we press record that this could be a massive geek out session for me because the gentleman that I'm about to introduce you to has met and worked with some of the people that I've held at the highest level in terms of inspiration in both my life, my business, my sporting endeavors, all of those pieces. But today we're going to get into what sits behind some of that greatness, some of the principles and fundamentals, which make people perform at the highest level. So I'm delighted to have on the show, Alan Stein Jr. Welcome, sir.
1: Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to be here. I've looked, been looking forward to this since we put it on the calendar.
0: Awesome, yeah, we had a few difficulties with things going on, but we've managed to get this booked in. Um, we're gonna talk about your book, but we're gonna talk around a lot of the things that you've learned, which obviously culminate in the book. I mean, the book is called Sustain Your Game. Um, how high performance keys to manage stress, avoid stagnation and beat burnout. That's everyone. <laughs> Curious about where you stand on that, but let's let's kick off because, um, as I kind of alluded to with the with the introduction, um, one of my greatest passions in life is basketball. I've played for 42 years. I'm 48 now. I started playing when I was six. Yeah, we should be high fiving hopefully because I can't believe I still play. Um, and I have, I, th- I think, most of my most memorable moments, other than having my children, have been on a basketball court. Um, you've worked with some of the world's greatest players. And one of them in particular, one of my absolute favorites is Kobe Bryant. And when the news of his passing happens a couple of years ago now, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Let's start there because I know you mentioned this in your book. What was it like to work with Kobe?
1: You mentioned a really important word when you were leading into my introduction, and that word was fundamentals. And that's the word that I feel like is synonymous with the Mamba mentality and his entire approach to everything. Uh, In fact, one of the most powerful lessons that I've ever learned, uh, I got straight from Kobe when I met him back in 2007. I had a chance to watch one of his really early morning workouts. uh, And as a younger coach, I was so surprised Um, that he was so focused on the basics. And and when I had a conversation with him later in that day, uh, he said a sentence that changed my life forever. Uh, He said, the best never get bored with the basics. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be good in any area of your life, whether you want to be a better mother or father, a better podcast host, a better author, uh, play the piano better, uh, be an elite basketball player, the key to that is working towards mastery of the fundamentals during the unseen hours. So whatever, whatever area of your life you're looking to up level, you need to figure out what are the basic building blocks? You know, what are the fundamentals of this craft and how can I focus on, you know, working on them every single day? And uh, that's certainly how I approach my craft as a speaker, as a writer, as a father, uh, never get bored with the basics and really pay attention to the fundamentals.
0: So something that is easily said, but not so easy to do, right? So let's unpack that a bit, okay? So, because I agree with you, it's the people who do the things that others won't do and do them consistently. And you mentioned the word unseen, you know, the stuff that people will never actually really appreciate. They, they don't see the, the the success necessarily from all the hours you've put in. How, do, how does someone stay consistent over time?
1: Well, I'm loving that you're going in this direction. A few thoughts immediately come to mind. Um, one, and it is all about building a habit, you know, creating the, the discipline and making disciplined decisions to commit to working towards these fundamentals every single day. Um, but the beautiful part is you, you don't have to spend hours on end every single day working on them. You know, doing a little over time consistently adds up to huge results. So, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant is going to, you know, was going to work on his footwork and his shooting mechanics for 20 to 30 minutes. Every single day, so really? the consistency portion is so important, um, and and that that incremental gains mindset. Um, the other part we have to remember, we can acknowledge, and there's nothing wrong with admitting the fact that many times the basics are mundane, they're monotonous, you, that you fall the you know you run the risk of them actually being boring. So it's not necessarily the basics that you have to be in love with. It's what the basics will lead to that can really drive you and motivate you. You know, it's if, if you love the process, if you love improving and evolving and growing, if you love the end result that those basics and fundamentals can lead to, that's what you have to keep in the forefront of your mind. Which, so it which doesn't is not mean,
0: easy to do because let's oh, let's, no. let's be frank, right? Because like I want to unpack this a little bit for the the person listening to this show <laughs> who's like, I'd love to be Kobe Bryant, but I'm not, right? Um, But if you think about that for a second, right, like being really clear on your vision, your outcome, what it's getting you to in a world where we demand instant gratification quite a lot of the time, how, how do you correlate that? I, I can appreciate there are a few people in the world like Kobe and others that you've worked with, like, you know, Steph Curry, Kevin, Kevin Durant, who are just operating at a certain level, but how does someone who's not there even start to approach this?
1: Well, I'm so glad that you made that very powerful distinction because that was really the secondary lesson that I learned from Kobe. And that right. is just because something is basic, it doesn't mean that it's easy. See, a lot of people mistakenly, as you alluded to so insightfully, they, they, they treat those like they're synonyms, like they're interchangeable, but they're not. They mean completely different things. I mean, what it takes... be successful in any area of life is very basic in premise but as you just said is really difficult to execute which is why most people don't do it so a a few things we need to do uh for me personally uh, i enjoy routine i enjoy structure i enjoy consistency so the way i'm wired uh i'm kind of built for these things like i'm i'm built for making time every single day to focus on the basic fundamentals for a very small period of time and do that consistently. Uh, I recognize and certainly have empathy and compassion for folks that that might not come as easy to, but it's still about building that, that habit. It's about creating structure in your life. And, you know, we get whatever we emphasize, so if you want to get better at some basic fundamentals, then you have to make them a priority and you need to emphasize them. And, and the way that you do that will certainly be different, you know, amongst everyone. But uh, another thought that comes to mind uh, is learning to have some patience with yourself and give yourself some grace and some compassion. You know, if, uh, if you get on a little bit of a streak and you start working on some of these basics and fundamentals, and then you fall off a little bit, don't add shame and guilt on top of that you know, just acknowledge that, you know, as a human being, you're fallible and, you know, we're, we're all at risk of, of making mistakes or falling off a pattern. Just look to pick it up the very next day and continue to build that muscle. And the last thing I'll say is the importance of discipline. Uh, I do believe, you know, very similar to what you mentioned so beautifully that, you know, we live in a world that that wants instant gratification, um, you know, that means we're going to lack patience and we have to be much more patient In this process as this process unfolds and you have to give yourself some grace and some space to be able to do that but but discipline is not like eye color that's genetically preset at birth uh you know when people say to me alan well i'm just not disciplined i let them know discipline is a choice you make any given moment with the next decision that you have so you know change that narrative and that self-talk don't tell yourself that you're not disciplined Tell yourself the next opportunity I have to make a decision, I'm going to make the most disciplined decision I can. And when you start to do that, do that with some consistency, then you'll reframe the way you look at yourself and you'll start to feel like you are disciplined because, you know, I think we over-index motivation in our society. We talk so much about you need to be motivated. You know, people even call what I do as a motivational speaker. uh, And that's not how I look at it. I think motivation is over-indexed. And unfortunately, discipline is under indexed, but the real gold is in the discipline.
0: I have, I actually have discipline equals freedom written up on my little board over here, all right? Beautiful. Because but, but there's a few things, I mean, first and foremost, can I just acknowledge your energy? People can't see, they can probably hear it in your voice, but I'm watching the video and you are jumping around the place. It's probably pretty early where you are as well, <laughs> as was we recording. this, so, so this is clearly your life's work. Um, I wanna kind of get a bit more personal about you, if that's all right, so, so obviously you've been around And we mentioned some of the names and there are others and you've been around some pretty impressive corporations and businesses and things like that. What was Alan Stein Jr. like before that? So before we got into this environment and you were around greatness, because I believe that environment can change everything. If you start to put yourself in those those worlds, some of that just naturally, you know, you start to see things differently, then it, it helps you to act. But how did you get into this? What were you like before? And of course, the next question is going to be about how have you changed through that whole process?
1: Well, because you're just a couple of years older than I am, I'm 46, you have me beat as far as your streak for years of playing basketball, but we're pretty close with that. And and that's really where it started. So, you know, I I first fell in love with the game at five years old and here 41 years later, basketball is still a major pillar of my life. So uh, I'm incredibly grateful um, that I've been able to build a life and make a living around something that I'm so passionate about. And that's one of the reasons Um, that I can maintain a really high level of energy uh, is I get to wake up every single day doing something that I love to do uh, and doing something that I'd like to believe I have somewhat of a natural affinity for or a talent for. And, you know, that was another piece of advice that I got uh, as a teenager that that changed me forever. Uh, A coach told me, Alan, you need to find what it is that you love, find what it is that you're naturally pretty good at, and then find where those two things intersect. And wherever that point of intersection is, that is your strength zone. And the more time you can spend working in your strength zone, not only will you perform at a higher level, but you'll have a much higher sense of joy and fulfillment as well. Uh, And that's really been, you know, I believe one of my keys is even though I've changed that point of intersection as I've gotten older, um, where I've uncovered new passions and I've developed new talents and skills, um, I've always stayed within that that strength zone and doing what I love and doing what I believe I'm fairly decent at. And I'll even add a third pillar to that, uh, which I've has been newfound, you know, with some hopefully age and wisdom and that's doing something I believe is in service of others. You know, I think if you do what you love, you do what you're good at and you're adding value to the world or adding value to others, that's your sweet spot. And and for me, uh, it just makes having high energy much easier when I can stay in that zone.
0: Do you think that's also the secret behind, uh, not getting stressed or certainly not getting stressed as much as a lot of people do or getting burnt out. If you, if you sort of live in the middle of that, let's call it a Venn diagram, right? Do you think that's, that's a key part of it as well?
1: It absolutely. That's almost the foundation of it. It makes stress stagnation and burnout to some degree are inevitable, yeah, but we yeah. can, we can more easily work, you know, fiend those things off fend those things off um, if we stay in that strength zone. And you know, it, it reminds me when I was a basketball performance coach, And one of my primary responsibilities was to help players improve their athleticism and strengthen their bodies so they'd be less likely to get injured. I'd always say my goal is to help bulletproof, you know, your body against injury. But every single player knows, you know, you can't prevent injury. All you can do are take steps to reduce the occurrence and severity of it, you know. And I look at the same thing with stress, stagnation and burnout. We can't necessarily prevent those things from happening, but we can take very strategic steps to reduce their occurrence and severity and that first step uh, is living in your strength zone
0: right love it very good so so i know that um if we, we go back to kobe for a sec as well which is going to be a consistent theme i apologize in advance for that no, um he was famous for kind of getting on the court at like 4 a.m and your story from what i understand was you, you went and saw that or got involved in that taking that idea and then thinking about like obviously he's up there with one of the greats um, were there any other things that were consistent with other greats that you had the, the privilege of working with like that, that you could sit there and say, you know what, there is some themes here. There are some themes oh, of, of excellence. Let's call it that.
1: For sure. And before I dive into those, I want to elaborate on why Kobe chose to get up and work out at four. Oh yeah, the please do. Please yeah. Do. His, uh, this, did, I didn't uncover this till a couple of years later in a separate conversation, but, but basically in his mind, in his mind, and he was ultra competitive and obsessed with being the best that ever played. He said, you know, um, the most ambitious players in the NBA work out twice a day in the off season. I mean, these are the guys that really want to be great are fully committed to their craft, have unbelievable levels of dedication. He said, they work out twice a day. Well, if I'm doing what they're doing, it's not going to really give me a, a competitive advantage. So if I can work out one more time than they do, if every time they're working out twice, I'm working out three times, that's going to start to extend my separation from them. And if I can do that long enough, they'll never be able to catch me. So he figured the only way he was able to do that was by getting in that extra workout early in the morning. So, you know, he's coming home from workout number one while his competition is getting to the gym for workout number 1 he's coming to the gym for workout number 2 while they're leaving the gym from workout number 1 and wow.
0: and yeah, did he consistently do that i mean i should have i should know this from from you know being obsessed with him as as a as a, as a character and a player but did he do this consistently was this just his routine for years and years and years
1: it absolutely was, and then when you look at the compounding interest of an yeah. almost twenty-year career, you know that and that's the other part that's that's so astounding. It wasn't like he only stuck to this while he was on the ascend, while he was on the come up. Once he had already reached that pinnacle, you know, uh, of being arguably the greatest in the game at that time, he continued to do it because he knew if he stopped, uh, that would you know would lessen his separation. So I that that was the reasoning for it. Now. As a general ideology, I think there's tremendous value in that. But what I will say is we we all have to be very careful with succumbing to the mindset that more is better. Because what I don't want your listeners to take away from this is if my competition is working 50 hours a week, I'm going to work 60. You know, if my comp, that can be a very slippery slope and can be very dangerous and can actually increase stress, stagnation, and burnout. So I love telling that story because it's so unique to Kobe's mindset. And I do believe there's value in it, but I want to be crystal clear that I am not advocating more is better. And that the only way you can separate yourself is by doing more than the next person, because that can be really dangerous. And as you said so perfectly before, you know, Kobe was a different beast. You know, he was wired a little bit different than the average human being. It does
0: open up the question, doesn't it? I mean, and a, and a great point I think for people listening to this, because, you know, there are a lot of young entrepreneurs who listen to this show as well. And it doesn't mean more is, is better, right. You know, there are concepts like leverage and, and focus and all that, which are important, but, but there is something I want to, I want to bring out here, which is the sacrifice around that decision by Kobe, which could be applied to anyone who does this, that type of level of relentless, you know, I'm going to go at this and the ability to be the greatest of all time. Right. So let's just play with this concept for a second. The point I'm making here is he would have sacrificed probably family, probably other social situations, all sorts of things that we would never even appreciate because he was obsessed with being the best. Right. Yes,
1: absolutely. Well, two, man, I I love this conversation. (laughs) Two things. One, Every single word in the the English language, which is the only language I speak, has an emotional connotation. You know, words make us feel certain things. So, you know, you you and I could read or hear the exact same word, and we, excuse me, we may have very different feelings about that word. Uh, Another thing that I learned from Kobe, and I found this interesting, um, he never saw what he was doing as a sacrifice. Because what he said, and this is his definition, he said a sacrifice means I'd be giving up something I want to do to do something else. He said, there was nothing I would rather do than be in the gym working on my craft. So that is where I wanted to be. So I wasn't sacrificing anything else. And and I do believe, you know, uh, his priorities shifted w- when he hit retirement. I do believe he started to emphasize and prioritize uh, his family uh, and some other endeavors much more so. And, and please know that I don't say any of this with an ounce of judgment. I, I think if Kobe were here today, He'd look right in this webcam and let you know uh, exactly what I just said, which is, you know, I wasn't making a sacrifice because that's what I wanted to be doing. So I just yeah. thought that was that was fantastic. I think many of us, myself included, have a slightly different feeling and definition of the word sacrifice and realize those are, you know, n- n- necessary uh, to the things that we're trying to achieve. Uh,
0: but I just thought that was a really. You raise a good point. Now, you raise a good point, because I think, you know, it comes back to um, I studied for a while, the concept of values, um, values, not being the things that are put on walls, which, you know, sitting corporate headquarters where people don't really understand what they mean, values being the things that you actually choose to spend your time doing. Right. So if I value something a lot, I will spend more of my time disproportionately on that thing. Right now, this is where it gets a little bit kind of hairy because, you know, I might value shooting hoops in the basketball more than spending time with my kids right? And yes. society might judge that as being bad because you shouldn't be thinking like that. But hey, who are you to judge? Because it's my value. You see what I mean here? So I think with someone like Kobe, what's interesting about this conversation is, you know, he, his value or his determination of wanting to be the best that he could possibly be. And as you put it really brilliantly, put space in between anyone who could come close to that, certainly in the era that he played, is oh. just incredible. It's just an incredible absolute. mindset play here when you think about it, just, just this absolute um, focus and ability and then actually achieving it. It's, it's almost like he left no stone unturned for that outcome.
1: Yeah, There's no question. And, and one other thing, which I think lends ourselves to this, uh, and then I will go back and answer your original question. I didn't forget. <laughs> ah, that's okay. Don't um, worry. I love jumping around the- anyway. <laughs> One of the slight differences as well. Um, and this is just the difference between Kobe's outlook and my own outlook. And I'll let your listeners decide which one, which camp they're in and which they feel better with. Um, Kobe was maniacally obsessed with being the best, uh, I'm not really interested in being the best. I'm much more heavily focused on being my best. And and I'll let somebody else play the comparison game and decide if if they want to rank speakers or rank books or rank guests on a podcast show. I'm not worried about being better than anybody else. Uh, I'm focused on being the best that I'm capable of uh, and then just let the chips fall where they may. And, And there is a slight difference to that because if you are worried about being the best, then you do keep a little bit of an eye on what everybody else is doing, yeah. on your competition, that you do get consumed with external uh, uh, metrics and you get consumed with what other people think. Uh, and once again, I'm not saying any of this with an ounce of judgment. Uh, I've got some really good friends in a variety of different industries who are very are wired very similar to Kobe. They want to be the best at what they do and that works for them. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. I just know for me, because I've, I've had that mentality in the past and it always left me feeling Less than uh, always left me feeling not, not worthy that, you know, well, if my goal is to be the best, then I finish second, then I guess I'm a failure and I lost. Uh, so I'm more concerned with with being my best in what I'm doing. And very similar to what we said earlier, that is so easy for me to say to you all, it is not easy to put into practice. I mean, I still find myself heavily tempted to play the comparison game and to see how I'm ranking against others. But now I have an awareness where I catch myself doing that and I can course correct and say, Alan, you don't have to worry about any of that. Just making sure you're doing the best you can with what you have, where you are doing that consistently, eliminate the temptation to blame, complain, and make excuses and just run your race, man, just run your race. And, and I'm getting better at doing that, but certainly far from perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good distinction again, to bring that up because I think, you know, you look at um, these, the, I mean, there are others we can talk about besides Kobe, you know, who at the top of the game, remember uh, looking at Michael Jordan's film, what was it? The Last Dance, something Last like days. that. And, you know, there are certain decisions that, that that Michael made in that, which didn't make him particularly well-liked <laughs> by others around because his level of, of competitiveness to win sometimes was not necessarily where everyone else was at. And he didn't expect anything less than that. But I think it's an important point you make around, you know, where you stand on these things, because if if your power is a result of always worrying about what others are going to think about you, right, it comes from an external source versus something that you can control, you're always going to have a certain degree of pressure around that, which can also be unhealthy as much as it can drive you. And I think Absolutely.
1: Well, I'm not sure if you've read or your listeners are familiar with Simon Sinek's most recent book, The Infinite Game, and, and really the, yeah. the premise of that. Is in a game like basketball basketball is a finite game you know around the globe we have all universally agreed that the team with the most points on the scoreboard when the final buzzer goes off is declared the winner you know that it's not arbitrary well life and business for that matter uh, is an infinite game it's not as clear cut you know that if i were to ask you or any one of your listeners to define what winning looks like in either their business or their life uh, certainly over time we'd see some overlap and some similarities But but I doubt that I'd ask any two people and get the exact same answer, you know, because there is not a definitive start and stop. There's not a definitive metric on what winning looks like because different businesses and different people value different things. So the beauty of that is we're the ones holding the pin. We're the ones that get to create whatever it is that we consider winning or excellence, or what do we want our lives to look like? What do we want our businesses to look like? What are we going to measure? What are we looking to improve? What do we consider success? We get to decide that. And depending on how you define those things, will depend on, on your path and what it is that you value, as you said so perfectly before. So to me, that's where the power is, is I, I want to start with the end in mind, uh, which is obviously an incredibly you know uh, long-term mantra, um, but I want to figure out what do I want my life to look like and then work backwards from there. What are the things that I need to do on a daily basis to create and build the life that I'm working towards? And the beautiful part is if you make those decisions in the present, You're not postponing happiness or fulfillment. You're not postponing success. You're living it in the moment because those are the decisions that you're making. And and, and that's ultimately what I think is most important. It can be very dangerous if we allow society to define winning and success for us, which is what happens with a lot of people. So they, they you know, they hear uh, on social media, you know, the importance of, uh, of, of having a nice house or a nice car or a nice watch and going on these vacations and, you know, having tons of Instagram followers. If that's the definition of success, and then you fall short of that, then you usually feel pretty lousy. So to me, the most important part is making sure that we're the ones that continue to define it and then work towards that every single day. I mean, and, and-
0: in principle, 100% but difficult again. And I don't want to kind of pull this out. I I want to unpack this a bit now to make this a little bit more practical for people because, because, you know, the the idea of also living in the present, right. You know, and appreciating what you have today, um, you know, realizing decisions you've made previously have got you to this point. That's challenging when we are surrounded by comparison, distraction, all these sort of things. So one of the things I like about the title of your book is obviously the word sustain, right. Cause we're talking about, you know, operating at a high level, whatever that level is for you or for me, it might be different We've we've stated that, but it's about making that something that is, you know, can last for a period of time, as opposed to just being a flash. So let's get into this a bit now. Sure. How, how do we do that? So what are some of the practices? What are some of the things that we can start to apply, which can help us with the concepts that you're talking about, obviously on this show and in the book?
1: For a little bit more context, so when I was working as a basketball performance coach, my a- main area of specialty and expertise was working at the high school level. And I had an opportunity to work at two high schools here in the Washington, D.C. area that have produced over a dozen players currently in the NBA, Kevin Durant being the most notable. So I had a chance to start working with these kids when they were 14, 15 years old and watch what it took for them to, to climb that proverbial mountain and reach, you know, the, what they considered the pinnacle of success or making the NBA. Doing that is what led to work with the Nike skills academies and Jordan Brand Classic and some stuff with USA Basketball. So that was when I had an opportunity uh, to work events for Kobe, LeBron, Steph Curry. And I got to see guys that had already reached that proverbial mountaintop and what it took for them to stay there. So I'm so thankful that I've been able to see both sides of the curtain. And I remember vividly working an event uh, for the NBA and they had a bunch of, of, of NBA rookies there and a veteran player said to the rookies, and he said this with a smile and a wink, you know, he said, congratulations on making the MBA. I know this has been a lifetime dream of yours as it was for me, but I'm here to let you know that making the easy, of uh, making the MBA was the easy part. Staying in the MBA is the hard part. And at the time he said that, and this was well over a decade ago, the average MBA career was three and a half years. That's that pretty right? short.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wow. short. And, I'm and- sure it's probably higher now with um, advances in medicine and stuff, but that's not very long, is it? No and, and that's
1: the thing. And it's not even just, uh, I'm sure injury plays a role in that, but it's, it also is because it is such a hyper competitive industry that if you're not staying on top of your game, you will be replaced immediately. So if, if you're not doing everything you can to continue to work on the fundamentals and make a contribution to your team, you'll get cut. And, and I, I found that so powerful. And that was when I realized that, yes, there is tremendous overlap between raising your game and sustaining your game. But there are also some some differences as well. And and that's what I was fascinated with. And, you know, for me, I basically write the books that mirror where I am in my own life. And I write the books that I need to read myself. So, you know, when I wrote Raise Your Game, you know, I was working on climbing the, the, the speaker mountain and working towards becoming the best keynote speaker I could be. And while that will be a lifelong pursuit, I have no, by no means reached the mountaintop. I have now shifted gears into figuring out, all right, how can I stay here? How can I make sure that if speaking and writing is what I choose to do, that I can do this for a long period of time? And uh, one of the ways that we can do that, and I've seen this with high performers in basketball and business, is to consistently blend and marry uh, uh, humility with confidence, that those things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, you need to have them working in harmony. So you earn confidence by putting in the reps during the unseen hours. You know, you you earn the right of being a great free throw shooter by shooting hundreds, if not thousands of free throws in an empty gym when no one's watching. Well, it's the same thing for any other area of life. You earn your confidence both through your self-talk and through demonstrated performance. But while you're earning that confidence, you need to remain humble and you need to remain open to coaching. You need to remain open to feedback. You need to remain open to continually learning and evolve, evolving. So that you, no matter how good you are, you still believe that you can get better. You know, which again is why you look at somebody like Kobe Bryant, you know, in his 16th year after he's won championships and million, had, you know, been paid millions of dollars. Why was he still in the gym at four in the morning? Because had he had the humility to acknowledge that he could still get better, that he had not tapped out his potential. Oh, so it's, it's blending it's, it's, humility it's, with confidence is crucial.
0: And the other, the other word that comes to mind as you're speaking here is ego, Right, understanding like you know the concept of ego for you, right? In in that moment, because you're right. If you think about, you you see some of these these great performers again. We can talk about the world of sport. We can talk about the world of business too. There's a very clear you know distinction between them, but at the same time, there's a lot of similarities. Where you get people who are like the flash in the pan, right? They they think you know can use a bit of your your kind of analogy from your books. You know they've raised their game to get to a certain level. They think that that's the end game. And then something happens, maybe it's ego, I got there, now I don't need to do the work anymore, or you know, I've made it, and they relax a little bit, and then all of a sudden it goes, and then they don't know how to climb back up.
1: Absolutely, and that's really where stagnation comes in. It's this, this feeling that I've arrived, it's this feeling that I'm good enough, it's kind of the mental cruise control that, that we can so easily hit when we've reached a certain level. And and I say in full transparency, you know, I've experienced stagnation a couple of times in my life and uh, as well as the stress and the burnout part. Um, So it's, it's something we just, we have to be mindful of and we have to be aware of, you know, you will never improve something that you're unaware of. You will never fix something you're oblivious to. So the first step to everything is always having awareness. So we need to have an awareness If we are starting to stagnate, if we are starting to lack the humility required for continued growth and improvement, and one of the best ways to do that, and this is a key theme in the book as well, is to make sure you are constantly surrounding yourself with people that care enough to tell you the truth, that Hmm. can help you see your blind spots. That, that can tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I think you've just been going through the motions. You know, you've just been treading water. You haven't been moving forward. Um, because we all see the world through a very biased lens. And yes, if you've reached a certain level of success by your own measure or by external validation, it is easy to, as they say, get too big for your britches and just think that, that you can just continue to ride that. So you need to insulate yourself with people that care enough about you to say, you know, hey, I know what you did yesterday, but what are you doing today? What are you doing to continually move forward? So uh, the, the company you keep and the people you surround yourself with are vital to continuing to sustain and incrementally raise your your excellence in any area.
0: Let's keep going on the theme. Okay, so that's one thing. And I fundamentally believe in that too. One of the things I do is a well, I used to do it more as a practice, uh, certainly pre-COVID, which was jump on a plane every quarter, and I'd end up in a room somewhere. And that room would be you know a room that would scare me because it would be full of people who were playing at a level maybe that I hadn't quite appreciated yet or didn't think I was ready for uh, all that sort of stuff but then I would leave that room or I would reflect on that situation that I'd been in for a few days and I'd come back you know a different person because of it right so yeah I love that idea the environment piece being everything but even the point you make you've got to have people around you who are going to call call you out right call yeah. you out well, we-
1: You'll probably appreciate this sentiment. You know, I, I know kids today don't play out don't play the game of basketball outside at the park the way we did when we were we're no, children. I remember that but, with
0: chain you know, with it's, chain nets. Remember oh, that? This is one of the greatest <laughs> sounds of all time. Is oh, it is, isn't
1: it? It's much game. better,
0: and they last a while.
1: They, they sure do. <laughs> well, well, One of the the mantras I grew up with. A coach told me. He said, "Alan, if you're the best player on your playground, then you need to find a new playground." Exactly. And and, and I've carried that with me. Same thing. I love the fact that you are proactive enough. To seek out rooms where you acknowledge you are not the most accomplished person in the room, that that other folks there have some experiences and some expertise that, that exceeds yours, that's how you grow. And that's where the humility piece comes into. Because it takes not only humility, but it takes some courage and some vulnerability to constantly put yourself in environments that could make you feel less than, that could make you feel like you're not enough, but you're going in there, and that's where the confidence part comes in, saying, I am worthy, I am enough, but I want to intentionally seek out people that are doing more than I am at present so I can continue to grow and learn and develop. And you know, along those same lines, uh, we also want to be very mindful that to some people, we are that person. Mm. But there are some people that would love to get in a room with you because you've already accomplished things that they haven't. And I think it's very important that we constantly are mindful enough to send the elevator back down to help others. You know, I mean, uh, we could do a five hour show and have me list nothing but the people that have helped me in my life and that have extended that hand, you know, and reached down to help me out. And I want to make sure I'm doing the same thing for other folks. I want to make sure that, that I'm cognizant of the fact that a lot of people have helped me live this enjoyable life. And I want to be that person for someone else. So we want to make sure we're looking in both directions. You know, we're on the climb and we're looking for people that can help pull us up but we also want to look over our shoulder and make sure we're extending a handout to pull others along with us.
0: You're, t- you're touching on a concept that um, Tony Robbins talked about. And we, we, we sort of briefly went into it before as well, which which is the idea of growth and contribution. So, so the, the, the principle being that if you want to feel fulfillment, you need to be growing, which is your, your um, take on becoming a better version or the best version of you. And contribution means exactly your point again, You know, putting your hands out to the person who may not be where you are right now, but you're prepared to share your experience, your insights to help them. And it's funny actually, because I I lived a world which wasn't as clear on those different things previously. So achievement to me was more about more and take as -hmm. opposed to growth and contribution. So again, I think it's an important piece here because, because the more that you feel that you are making that contribution, right? You are helping others the more it helps you grow because you see different things, but it also just changes the way you show up, the confidence level and things like that, because you feel like you've got more purpose behind what you're doing. Oh
1: man, that's so beautiful. You know, I, I've always resonated with quotes. I've been a quote nerd my entire life. I started writing quotes down in a yellow legal pad and then, yeah. you know now it's, it's graduated to a, a word document on my computer. Um, but for some reason, quotes, you know, powerful quotes I've always found is a way that really resonates an idea or a concept. So I speak a lot in quotes um, and that's not to be a cliche speaker. That's simply because these things have helped me. And one of the quotes that, that really resonates is if, if you focus on taking, you'll never have enough. If you focus on giving, you'll never run out. Uh, and i have the humility to acknowledge i mean it took me 40 years on the planet to really understand that 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 i am <laughs> admittedly i was very, very selfish. <laughs> me too yeah i was very selfish uh and and always concerned with myself for the first several decades i was on this planet and it wasn't and, and, and most of that was just from being riddled with insecurities and, 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 and really just had my priorities out of whack. Now that I'm older, and one of the things that really shifted that was becoming a father uh, is realizing the foundational principle of, of transformational leadership, which is the mindset of it's not about me. It's about you. You know, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. It's not, you know, and, and, and looking at the world through that lens has helped tremendously, but where it's helped the most, especially in these last couple of years, uh, is with fulfillment. As you said so so perfectly, uh, we increase our sense of fulfillment when we give and serve and help uh, and empower others. Uh, and that's, that's been a real shift. And you know, I've given myself grace and I've forgiven my previous self for being so selfish earlier in my life. That was simply the path I was on and I didn't have the awareness to know any better. But now that I'm older and hopefully have some more life experience and a little bit more wisdom, uh, I realize that, yes, that is the true goal. Being of service to others um, is how you fill your own bucket.
0: It's funny how it happens. Like, I mean, I, I'm exactly the same as you. I was about 40 when, when I started to realize perhaps I haven't quite got this, this yeah. dialed in yet, <laughs> this idea of what I'm here to do. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of had a, a, an inkling of it, but I wasn't in the right Um uh, in the right situation to, to make a change around it. But then I was once once I started to get more of an external perspective on things. Yeah. And um, that goes
1: back to that awareness concept. Does, we, both of us were unaware of the fact that the, the construct we had built and the way we were looking at life um, was the only way or even the best way to navigate you know life. And it took an awareness for us to come to the conclusion that, wait, maybe I can do things a little bit differently. So as I said before, everything starts with awareness. And that's why Uh, Making time to be introspective and self-reflective, insulating yourself with people that can help you see some of these blind spots, you know, uh, have to be the fabric uh, of what it is that you're doing to move forward.
0: Are there things that you personally do now that you might have learned from, you know, again, the the various greats that you've been around or even from your own journey since sort of leaning into what you're doing now, the more kind of business and, and performance areas that are kind of your musts? So like, you know, every week, every year, every day, whatever it is, I, these are my must. And then now just a caveat before you answer for everyone listening, this is, this doesn't mean that we now go and copy Alan Stein jr's list, right? <laughs> we've covered this before because I'm feeling from the conversation we've already had for the last 45 minutes or so that there's been a lot of experimentation here and what's dialed in for Alan doesn't mean that it's dialed in for everyone else. <laughs> yes. But I'd love very- you to share. I'd love you to share kind of the things that work for you and. And because obviously you are working on yourself all the time and and you can see just by how you've shown up here today, that's having a massive impact.
1: Sure. Before I get on the micro and share some of those actual daily practices and habits, I want to say the biggest shift I've made in the last several years on the macro level was uh, on the concept of stress. And that is, I, like many people prior to having this epiphanal moment, felt that my stress was caused by circumstances, events. What people said, what people did—I I very much had a, a victim mentality yep. that the outer world was controlling my inner world, and you know, I found myself often, you know, depressed, unhappy, upset because I was basically a puppet to whatever was going on in the world. Uh, since then, I've shifted my thinking to stress is not caused by circumstances and events and what people say and what people do; it's it's caused by my resistance to those things or my perspective of those things, Mm, or how I feel about those things. So why that's so powerful is it's an liberating feeling to know now that I'm actually in control of that response. That stress is not caused by what's happening. It's caused by my response to what's happening. So instead of being a victim, now I'm in the driver's seat. I've got the keys to the car. I can choose how to respond to any situation. And I can choose responses that move me forward Uh, and make my life less stressed now uh, to to clarify so people don't think i've completely lost my marbles i'm not saying that everything that goes on in the world is to my liking i'm not saying that what people say what people do and circumstances and events are my preference i'm not even saying that some of the things that go on in this world are good i mean we've seen some massive tragedies uh, over the last you know, couple of weeks here in the yeah. States with some of these mass shootings. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is fighting or resisting those things only increases your stress level. Learning to have some level of acceptance, knowing what you have control over and what you don't, so you can make thoughtful and mindful ways to respond is what's most important. And that has been the biggest shift in my life. Let's, let's touch
0: I- on this before we get into anything more specific because I like the macro. And I, and I love the word resistance here as a concept because i think people may have heard what you just said before right and they might have thought well actually yeah i get i get the idea that it's not the event that matters it's my response which leads to the outcome right people get that but they can't disassociate the emotional context to be able to be maybe a bit more objective about it so are there things that you've learned through your journey that have allowed you to, to put these things in their right place?
1: Absolutely. So here, here's another quote for you. Our emotions are designed to inform us, not direct us, which means with what you just Good. said so perfectly nice. is nice. don't resist the feelings you have either. If something in the world happens and it makes me feel angry, upset, annoyed, irritated, bitter, you fill in the blank. That is Okay. We have those emotions for a reason. They're part of our emotional palette because we are human beings. So I don't resist those those emotions or feelings. I allow myself and give myself permission to feel however I feel. The big distinction is I don't allow how I feel to dictate my behavior, to dictate my response, to dictate how I treat others. So it is okay for you to be angry. It is not okay for you to diminish or disrespect or demean somebody else. And that's the code at which I live by. So there has to be a, some, some thoughtfulness in between, you know, that, that, that response. So you, you see what's going on in the outside world. You feel how you're going to feel and you sit with it and you acknowledge it. You do not suppress, resist, or ignore your feelings. You allow yourself to feel them. But then you take a moment, you pause and be thoughtful and mindful. And how am I going to move forward? This thing happened. I'm really upset right now. But I don't want to act out of being angry. I want to act in a more thoughtful and poised manner. And uh, once again, I mean, the main theme of everything you and I have been talking about—so easy for me to say, not easy to do. You know, I'm I'm certainly not going to sit here and pretend like every response I have to every situation is 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 the preferred one. Um, But I'm getting better at it. You know, I like the progress I'm making. I like the path that I'm on. I am more in control and thoughtful in my responses today. Than I was a year ago and certainly more than I was a decade ago. So I'm just looking for that consistent incremental improvement. And what that takes
0: is patience. And this is a nice segue into this actually, because I agree with you. It's patience, it's consistency, it's discipline to bring that word back that we mentioned in the first couple of minutes of speaking about. So let's, let's go into that now. So we've talked a lot about, I think the macro, and I think people understand that, but daily actions repeated intentionally over time compounds to drive an effect. Okay. So yeah. let's, talk about, let's talk about your situation. we can talk about mine as well if you want to. But what, what are the things that you've found that you've done consistently, the fundamentals which have allowed you to, again, play at the level you're playing at and continue to grow, but also feel congruent, I think, with your values, those sort of things at the same time? I'm
1: incredibly cognizant of what I call the bookends of my day, my morning and my evening routine. So I I have a tremendous amount of consistency and structure and intention in the first 60 minutes after I wake up and the last 60 minutes before I go to bed. And I know, uh, you know, especially on social media, the morning routine tends to get all of the hype, but the evening routine is Mm. equally important. You know, I very much look at it like the chicken and the egg. You know, what comes before your morning routine? the previous night's evening routine. I mean, these things are married together. So, you know, my evening routine consists of some practices that I know will allow me to mentally and physically unwind uh, and be in some state of inner peace so that hopefully I can get some quality sleep. And and most nights that works pretty well. And then when I wake up, I want to make sure that I am setting the tone and setting the foundation for the rest of the day. Because regardless of, of what you do for a living you know, most people will acknowledge that it's the meat of the day that can be so unpredictable and so chaotic, and we have less control over it. So I believe we have a little more control over that morning and evening routine. And both of those are designed for me to show up as my best self. So regardless of what my day looks like, whether I have a podcast interview with someone like you, I have a speaking engagement, or I'm going to take my kids to the beach, I want to show up as a 10. I want to show up as my best self. So what do I need to do to mentally, physically, and emotionally put me in the state of being my best self. And that's what I aim to do in my morning routine. And then in the evening routine, want to make sure that I can effectively wind down. So for me, some of those things uh, include, and I said mental, physical, and emotional. So So, yeah, for those first 60 minutes, uh, I want to do something that stimulates my body, movement, That could be something like doing a few yoga poses or some foam rolling, could be going for a six mile jog, could be going to the weight room to to throw some iron around. But I want to do something that physically engages me. I want to do something that mentally engages me. So this could be listening to a podcast episode. Uh, This could be, you know, playing one of those word games, you know, where, you know, like Sudoku or, you know, where where you have to actually stimulate some thought. Um, And the cool part is many times, These two can be combined. You know, I'll go for a run while listening to a podcast. So I'm engaging, you know, both the mental and the physical. And then I want to do something that charges me up emotionally, whether that's something with my children, you know, a conversation with a loved one. Uh, That could also be reading, watching, or listening to something that stimulates your emotion. You know, it makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you think. It does something to engage you. And within the first 60 minutes of waking up, If I can do those three things and then, yeah, depending on the day, you know, blend that with some hydration or eating something healthy for breakfast or, you know, taking a cold shower, Uh, meditation is usually a part of my morning routine. You know, what I do is I I basically create parameters and guardrails. I'm not so strict that I have every second scripted every morning when I wake up. I just know that every morning I want to move my mind, my body and my heart. And I want to do that before I jump into whatever the day is calling for. And, uh, you know, and that I'm constantly tinkering with and and tweaking, you know, I'll read, watch or listen to someone that makes a suggestion for something that could work in my morning routine. And I give it a try. I'm open-minded to trying new things out. Give it a try for a few days, see how that makes me feel, and and then decide whether or not to keep that. And, you know, another quote that I live by is, you know, the key to, to not only performance and success, but happiness and fulfillment Is do more of what works, do less of what doesn't. So I'm constantly measuring the things in my life and saying, okay, this makes me feel pretty good. I'm going to do more of that. Ah, this thing over here really drains my battery. It's not helping. I'm going to do less of that. And I'm constantly tweaking. So controlling your bookends, whatever that looks like for you is imperative
0: to being your best self. There we go. So I was perceptive. I thought you might do it that way. Um, (laughs) the important thing just to draw draw a line under what Alan just said though, is, you know, don't, don't fall into the trap here of, you know, my morning has to be what the book down the road says I have to do. And I have to tick box it because then you'll find that you're actually just tick boxing. It will create more stress. And the reason for doing these bookends as Alan so eloquently said is to get you in the best possible state to deal with all the other things that are potentially going to happen that you can't predict. Right. But, um, I mean, just to sort of draw a final point around this, if you look back at some of the top performers you've worked with, um, how routine orientated were they? I mean, you talk about Kobe and his practice of three, four in the morning. But if you look at all of the greats and you've worked with a few of them, do they all have routines and rituals? And yes, that-
1: every single one of them has routines and rituals, but there's a, a wide spectrum of the way they approach it. Some yeah, of them okay. approach it the way that I do, which is I've got some loose guardrails up And I'll decide what to fill in. Uh, others actually take the other approach. You know, they have basically a scripted morning routine. You know, for the first four minutes, I do this, for the next eight minutes, I do this, then I eat this, you know, and that's okay. The key to all of this is each person listening needs to figure out what works for you, you know. And the only way you'll know what works for you is a little bit of trial and error. You know, if if you're feeling completely lost at the moment, you know, you, you feel like your your mornings are completely out of control then maybe you want to try scripting a 30 minute routine for a couple of weeks to see how that works for you. Um, you know, so that that's the key. And, and even the same thing with, you know, what time you wake up in the morning. You know, there's certainly the group of people that that say, you know, if you're not up at four or five in the morning that that your competition is and they'll eventually beat you like my morning wake up has changed significantly. You know, for a good portion of my career, I was absolutely part of that 5 a.m. club. Uh, Now I'm I'm a little more in the 7 a.m. club because I feel like my body and (laughs) mind needs a little bit more rest. And I can do that guilt-free. I'm
0: same as you, mate. I'm, yeah. I'm a 6 a.m. person now. I used to be one of these like 4.45 guys. And yep. it was funny. There was like a, I think it was um, Jocko Willick or one of these guys had this kind of thing where you had to literally take a picture of your clock in the morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, like the alarm clock. And I found, you know what? When I get a certain amount of sleep per night, my energy levels throughout the day and how I feel and show up is just different. So yes. these days I don't even set an alarm right? I just go to bed. Um, So it's similar to like what you said, my, I know when I go to sleep ish, right? I have a routine for that. And there's a little window when I go to sleep. But I know that if I go to sleep in that window, and I'm relaxed enough, I'll wake up almost on the dot of six, like boom.
1: Absolutely. Interesting, well, Because it? <laughs> you've created that consistency and, and, and you, you're, your body has kind of figured that part out. And I, I love that. Now, before we put a final pin in this, I, I did want to share something very actionable that I hope your listeners find very helpful. And it's very apropos to what we're talking about with please the morning see. routine. Please so please. There, there are basically three steps to change, changing anything in your life. And we've covered these already kind of unconsciously. The first step is awareness. As I said, you'll never improve something you're unaware of. Uh, The second step is an understanding of how things will be different when you make this change or what's at risk if it's not, you know, what's at risk. If the very first thing you do every morning is pick up your phone and start scrolling email and social media, what's at risk. I think I could make a compelling argument. Your, your mental wellness and your happiness is at risk. So that's pretty important. And then the third step is reconditioning. So I now need to recondition what I've been doing. For the last 15 years, the moment I wake up, I start scrolling email. That's a pretty strong habit. I need to recondition that habit. And here are the three ways that we recondition a habit. The first is I want you to have razor sharp focus and just pick one behavior that you're looking to change. Don't try to change everything at once. There was a gentleman named John Berardi who, who founded the company Precision Nutrition, and he did a pretty expansive research study. And he found that when, when folks try to change one behavior at a time, they have an 85% chance of being successful. Those are pretty good odds. What was remarkable was when folks split that in half and tried to change two behaviors at the same time, percentage of success dropped down to 40%. Wow, so really? less than That half. much? I suppose yeah. it makes
0: sense if you think there's a saying, he who chases two rabbits catches none.
1: That's absolutely my favorite saying. And that's, oh, there you that's you
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's it right
1: there. And then th- there was a third group that tried to change three behaviors simultaneously. Their percentage of success went down to four to 5%. Wow. So it's much? in our best interest as human beings to have razor sharp precision. So step number one is just pick one behavior that you're going to focus on. Step two is make a commitment to yourself to do that behavior for the next 66 days. Now the research is all over the board, 66 days, yeah. The research is all over the place as far as uh, how long it takes to form a habit. I've seen some things that say 21 days. I've seen some things that say it can take almost nine months. And in all honesty, it really depends on what it is that you're trying to change and how deeply ingrained that habit is. I like 66 because it's really easy to remember. Uh, I like 66 because it's just a hair over two months. So it's just enough of a stretch to make it really challenging, um, but it's still doable. So 66 days, and I'm very old school. I print off a calendar uh, and I use a red Sharpie. And every day I do that thing, I put a big red X on it. And my goal is to get 66 Xs in a row. Now, I realize I'm fallible. I'm human. After day 14, I may fall off the wagon that's okay. I just try to wake up the next day and start a new string of X's. I don't beat myself up over it. And then the third step. So we're going to pick one thing. We're going to commit to doing it for 66 days. And the third one we've already talked about is you need to keep the spotlight of accountability on yourself, which means you need to recruit an inner circle of people that are going to hold you accountable to doing the thing that you said you're going to do and let them check in with you daily to make sure you did it. So let's put this into a, a practical, uh, to, to apply it practically. Let's just say one of your listeners right now um, has let some of their physical wellness go and they want to start getting in better shape. So they decide the one thing they're going to do is go for a 30 minute walk every single morning. That's it. They're not going to buy a Peloton bike. They're not going to hire a personal trainer. They're not going to throw everything out of their pantry and, and, and go you know, health food shopping. All they're going to do right now is make a commitment to walking for 30 minutes every day. Second thing they're going to do is they're going to commit to doing that for 66 days. They're going to see if they can go for a walk for 66 straight days. And, you know, uh, they've got a contingency plan that if it's pouring rain outside, uh, they can walk on a treadmill or they can go indoors to a mall and walk around. But they're, no matter what, they're committed to doing that. And then the third thing is they're going to tell three or four people that they know, love them and care about them and want to see them successful. They're going to say, look, I'm going to, I've made the goal of walking for 30 minutes every morning. Will you hold me to that? Will you check in with me? Will you send me a text every afternoon and ask if I went for my walk? Ask what I listened to on my walk or what route I took. But can you please check in with me? You know, one of the the emotions that unites all of us as as human beings is we don't like to disappoint people that mean something to us. So the extra layer of accountability of if you called me in the afternoon and asked if I went on my walk, the disappointment I'd feel and having to tell you, no, I skipped it this morning. I decided to sleep in that's the tough pill to swallow. And that little adder, added extra bit of accountability can keep you on point. So uh, I like one the thing. simplicity.
0: I like it. Yeah, one thing, the one thing is is great. that that Because most people try and do too many, three to five or something, but the one thing makes a big difference. Yeah. I'm going to ask you three very quick final questions, right? Love okay, it. that's cool. So firstly, because we finished it. So what's the one thing that for the next 66 days, Alan, that I can call you up in 66 days that you're going to do? <laughs> Boy, you know, I'm kind of in a transition at You present. might be in the process of one already. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I'm gonna give some I'm gonna give some thought to that and and, and I'll reach back out to you. Reach yeah, out to me. I mean, why not?
0: Let's play with this because this is fun. I've, I've you've given a lot of value to people today. And I think that's let's, let's let's have some fun with this. I'm gonna suggest everyone picks up the book. Okay. Sustain your game. Is it out yet? I mean, I got a pre-release version of it, but is it out? It's been released now.
1: It is. Yeah. It's available as
0: a hardcover and as an audio book if you'd prefer to listen. Fantastic. We'll put all the links into that. Okay. So, and the, uh, in terms of where other people can reach out if they want to speak to you as well, and where can they get you?
1: Uh, My main website is allensteinjr.com. I have a supplemental site, which is strongerteam.com, which has info. I've got an online course, a podcast, uh, certainly information on the books. I do a little bit of exclusive one-on-one coaching, but that's kind of all the supplemental resources. And then I'm very easily found on social at Allen Stein Jr. Uh, so, anyone, if you're listening, uh, if you want to continue this discussion, if you want to share something, you want to ask a question, uh, just shoot me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm I'm very good about getting back to folks. I take a lot of pride uh, in being accessible and responsive.
0: Awesome. So the final question is: Warriors or Celtics?
1: Oh boy! I, I tell you what, I think we're going to game. I think we're going seven games, no question the way it's going right now, if you're going to ask me to place a bet, I'm going to go with, with the, with the Warriors,
0: um, yeah.
1: which is okay. I really, I really like the players. And They're coaching. good,
0: aren't they? I mean, and you've, and you've obviously worked with Steph Curry um, before we press record, everyone just for a joke, I was showing my, one of my favorite things in my whole life is a signed uh, autographed picture of Larry Bird, one of the, if not the most famous Celtic of all time. So I'm a little bit green all the way through here, but I do appreciate any good basketball. And I think, Watching the last few games, the Warriors look like they've got the right mindset and experience for this, but we will see. We will see very shortly. Alan, it has been a pleasure, sir. Thank you for gracing your presence on the show today. You've been very generous with your time and your insights and your help and perspectives for all the listeners here of Scale Up. So I'm truly honored to have you. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, The feeling is mutual. This was a really fun conversation. Thanks for all you do.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.